0: Welcome to BookStrong Podcast, hosted by my man, Matthew Christie.
1: Okay, we're here with Andrew Burdick down in Florida. Andrew, can you tell me about yourself?
0: Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Um, Andrew Burdick, yeah, like you said, I am a um, gym owner here down in Tampa, Florida. Um, just started, pretty new into the game, about five six years, um, of my own business. Uh, background was working, uh, pretty much kind of where I started was the University of Iowa with the track athletes and uh, basketball, women's and men's. Um, worked with any any anything on the side of the Olympic sports. Um, had a couple of really great mentors. Uh, Landon Evans was huge over there and then bill Maxwell really kind of uh, you know drove my learning and, and my growth in the field, um, they also allowed me, you know, a, a great chance to mess up a lot, which I did and, and they also taught me that you know when you mess up there are ramifications and uh, that you, you know there, there's. Um, there's much more to being a strength and conditioning coach than just strength. And um, you can't, you know, if all you have is a hammer, you you, you really can only work with a nail. You know, so finding other tools um, to get things done was, was a huge thing that I learned at, at the university. Um, and so, you know, did that. And I um, ended up knowing I, I wanted to come back home. I could just feel, you know, I needed to be home and uh, ended up heading back to Florida in 2016. I taught at a, a, the high school actually I graduated from. I was very fortunate because, um, you know, to be blunt, I didn't pay much attention to anatomy and physiology in school when I was going through it, and uh, I, um, you know, got to teach it, and what better way to learn than to teach high school kids a subject that you should know about. (laughs) <laughs> and, uh, you know, it was good because I just stayed about a chapter ahead. And uh, like I said, I really got to understand. And it was cool because, you know, in high school, I don't know if you took it, I never took it in high school, but in, in college, it was a little more in depth. But in high school, it's very much, you know, inch deep, mile wide. And so we get to talk about a lot of things, but of course, when I get interested, I would dig deeper in myself and some of the kids would too. You know, there's a lot of kids that I, I got to teach that are, you know, it's cool now seeing them become doctors or going down that, that, that um, side of things. But anyway, so I got to get touched up with, with that side of things. And um, one thing led to another. I uh, started a iron club, you know, more like bodybuilding, powerlifting type stuff for the kids at school and um, ended up, we, we grew it to being too big for the actual school and I went to a local gym. The local gym took off. We uh, grew from probably about eight people at the end of my first year to about 55. Um, and that was kind of when, you know, things kind of took off. And um, that gym owner and I, we, we kind of went our separate ways and um, started working out of my garage. One thing led to another. And now I got a about an acre and a half trying to develop. And we got a 4,000 square foot turf field on it. And we're looking to build a building. And, you know, that's where we're headed, you know, just slowly trying to put that together.
1: Yeah, that's great. And pretty sweet garage, gym. if I say so myself. I've lifted in it once or twice. Uh, but when just going off that, when you started teaching, did you plan on going into this field more?
0: So honestly, no, um, I, I really didn't. I knew that I loved training from an aspect of my body. You know, however, I didn't understand or realize that I was going to go deeper into um the personal training or the sports training or sports performance side of things. You know, I thought I'd be around maybe like the sports, like sport coach, you know, I'd be a football coach or be a basketball coach um, and help out maybe from more of a skill side of things. Um, But it really didn't hit home that I could help um, a lot of the youth athletes, especially from a physical standpoint until about that 2017 year um, where I really started to catch my, my groove with that.
1: So we're looking at, a lecture from Keith Barr called physical training, performance, and injury prevention. And that goes into the differences between your different extracellular matrix compared to your muscle and how it all kind of works together to create performance in an athlete or anybody really. So there are key differences in training these things, but most people think of weight training as training your muscles, but there's a lot that goes into the ligaments and tendons. So can you go into that a little bit?
0: Yeah, of course. I mean, I think an easy way to kind of start this out is, you know, think about people, I think, you know, which will catch people's attention is like steroids, right? We talk about steroids, the thing that happens is people blow up muscularly, right? And so they're, you know, for lack of a better term, you're shooting a canoe, you know, a cannon off a canoe. So we have these huge muscles because they grow really fast, right? However, when we start loading and loading and loading, we get heavier and heavier, those tendons don't come along. And so it takes time, right? So, you know, one thing, big thing you talked about earlier is, you know, it's something that when we progress this, we really start out with a lot of isometric holds to start. Um, and especially from our youth athletes. Like they're gonna hold positions. Um, we love uh, just even half squats, right? And half squats where they push their knees all the way over their toes um to really try to get those quads going, to get some of the shin going. Um, especially, you know, growing uh, individuals, you know, with one thing that's huge is oscillators, you know. Uh uh what it, There you go, oscillus, there it is. Um, you know, it's huge. For, for these kids now, you know, so something like that, just kind of getting those uh, joints used to the, the ranges of motion and that feeling is something that's good. And, you know, you mentioned earlier, like this um, idea of the water. Uh, and, and this is what Keith Barr mentions, right, where it's like we, we want some kind of continuity where it kind of slides and we want the the, the the tendon matrix to kind of slide or we want it to not slide. And we want them to really kind of get stiff. And so for me, the number one thing that we want is these these tendons to kind of um, we want them. We want them to give a little bit. Um, we want to allow them to kind of grow um, in the sense of we're putting them under time under tension because that's the thing that that is that is not given to um, a traditional weight weight uh, lifting program. You know, we want to start putting a lot of this um, you know actual numbers on the bar, but you know that could come without depth, proper depth or form or those things. And so while you are, let's say, increasing, you know, absolute load, you're not getting what you need from a time under tension standpoint from these uh, tendons, you know, so we're getting some muscle growth without that, you know, tendon growth.
1: Right. So Keith Barr explains it as if you increase stiffness, you may be increasing performance, but you're really increasing this risk of injury as well. So when you're training maybe out of season you'd want theoretically you'd want to build up these tendons to manage the load that you're going to be putting on them but come competition time maybe this is where you kind of build up that uh, plyometric pyramid and now you're doing some more depth drops altitude drops things to stiffen those tendons and ligaments as well um moving on to like the ligaments though because they're connecting bone to bone to hard materials, these are the things that you actually want to be stiff, right? So these aren't the things that you want the, that don't need the isometric uh, work more, but the things that just need to have a higher uh, concentration of collagen, which is what you get from using the water analogy again, those shock forces,
0: Mm -hmm. right? Definitely. Yeah, so with, with that, you know, the big thing that, that, that I've done with that is, is we're constantly, and I'm actually a huge fan of doing it with the warm-up, um, huge fan of like pogo jumps. Um, and that's something that will really add that, like you said, that shock value. And you would actually, you, you know, you wouldn't expect it, but it's really hard for all individuals, um, whether they're really good athletes or not, to truly understand what it feels like to get stiff um, to really, you know, everything, uh, contracts at once, it, again, it's much harder than it, than it sounds and much harder to perform, you know? So with throughout our, it doesn't matter basketball, football, um, baseball, you know, there's some kind of pogo, um, series that we'll throw in there. Um, and again, I like it as part of a warm-up, you know, maybe after a little bit of blood flow, uh, we go into straight, you know, more or less, let's get stiff. Let's learn to be stiff. Um, you know, and, and, and to kind of go on the other way, um, to even to warm them up for that. I love, walking on toes, right, walking on toes and heels to even give that, not, not only just to, you know, um, warm up those, those actual muscles and, and tendons and, and ligaments, but again, it also allows those tendons to start to slowly uh, adapt to what we're going to do, right, so it really kind of puts the, as, as you said, we want to lay the, the, the collagen fibers in a specific manner, you know, and so that's going to really help do that, um, and that's kind of what we look for to do.
1: Yeah, I'm sure that also gives a- some sort of spatial awareness and helps them focus on the on the day too what we're getting done that day uh-huh. uh, I ask is there a difference between or do you have special considerations working with youth athletes and like uh, the youngest athletes you train versus your adult personal training clients in terms of compliance of these tendons or their knees or the things that you just have to consider many people to prevent injury.
0: Yeah, definitely. That's a, that's a great question, and you know, and it, it, it's it's cool because the human body is very very adaptable, and, and it's 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 just amazing, you know. But I will say, when it comes to um, loading, you know, the adult uh, client, I really don't do a lot of explosive stuff, you know. And when it comes to leaving the ground and things of that nature, um, we get our explosive work more from a banded trap bar deadlift or some kettlebell swings or med ball slams. You know, whereas, you know, even with a eight to ten year old, I will have them hang. Well, when they can't they can't hang anymore, they're going to get some ground contacts by just dropping, you know. So and that's another way to you know isom- hold an isometric and then they drop. Now they're getting some of those forces. Um, and then some of my more, um, advanced, I'd say 13, 14 year olds, you know, we're having them drop off of 36 inches. Um, and I'm a big fan of landing and trying to, um, recreate, you know, repetition without repetition, you know, so I'll have them land sideways, land forwards, land backwards, land and roll land a whole bunch of different ways. That way they're just used to that in general. Um, and again, I think that goes beyond this tendon and stuff. That's more of a, Um, Neuromuscular. We're going to know how to land. We're going to know how to get out of position um, when we need to, you know, and I think that and you know, this being a, being a collegiate athlete, you know, there's, you you can't plan how you're going to land. it comes out of anywhere, any 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 um, you know formation. Someone's foot might be under you. You might get pushed in midair. You know, so you just got to get used to landing in different you know positions. And um, so that's big. We do that a lot with our youth. Um, but there's there's no no chance that I would do it with anyone, even in probably my age, right? I wouldn't do any anyone that's thirty. Um, that's you know not looking to be maybe uh, a skier, right? Maybe they're doing some high level skiing or. Um, you know, maybe they're whatever, like a a higher level, they want to do something which which has more plyometric um, demands, you know, but like I said, I I really don't, I don't see it as the juice is worth the squeeze, if that makes sense. Right, right.
1: Uh, Whereas for you, you're still, you're still at the point where you're still doing
0: altitude drops and
1: things of that nature, right?
0: Yeah. So with my training, you know, it's, I, I, I will say that, I'm slowly adding that in, right? Like, so we're doing, you know, I'm doing altitude jobs where I'll do maybe three sets of three, right? And um, I'm, I'm jumping off about 40 inches. You know, I, was, I just had a um, uh, a resort that I went over to Northport. and I met with Lee Taft. I'm not sure if you ever heard of, of Lee Taft. Um, he's the speed guy, right? Yeah. Um, awesome, awesome time. You know, and we talked a little bit about the altitude jobs. He's like, you know, he, he trusts about 10 inches or so um, above what an athlete can jump on their regular vertical. And so, you know, I'm about a 34 and I've been hanging around, like I said, about 42. Now this is where I think I'm going to kind of diverge. I'm I'm not sure there's a lot of, um, research on this at this point yet, but I am looking to take a little higher, you know, I'm looking maybe to get into the sixties and seventies and eighties. Um, again, my reasoning just to give a little more context is, you know, I'm about Two inches to, to two to four inches away from like dunking a basketball. I'm, I'm a 5'7, you know, white dude that, you know, looking for that last little kick, right? Yeah. And so I'm just kind of searching for those things, you know. But what I will say is I build those around, and those are more of like what I'll do like at the first 20, 25 minutes of the workout. When I get to that hour, I'm starting to do my single leg holds. Um, I'm starting to do some maybe um, some Hatfield squats where I hold it um, at the bottom position, you know, with my knees really really cranked forward and, and there's times where my heels are coming off the ground too to really try to recreate those forces. Um and that's kind of how I blend that together. Um and then I'll even mix in some Olympic lifting throughout that that middle part portion.
1: Right. So it's it's your way of blending in both styles of training where it's you're trying to get to this high performance where you're five seven but you're actually able to dunk but also keeping in mind that you have to protect your tendons and Still maintain this elasticity, right?
0: That's the big thing, right? Is how do you stay bouncy with this um, without kind of becoming dull? Um, and yeah, that, that there, there's a fine line of, like you said, adding both of those in. And you know, for me, it seems to work out best when I do it afterwards. You know, but like someone like Jake Tura, I'm sure you've heard of Jake Tura. He he mentions doing some of these isometric holds beforehand, and I have not quite played with that. Um, probably out of the necessity that I'd have to leave my house and go to a a, a close nearby like rim to really start to to play with jumping um but yeah that's kind of i guess my idea at this point don't worry about pauses i can always cut them out no problem my notes are just kind of everywhere we can talk about nutrition on I, i don't know if you've heard much about the nutrition
1: in general you're saying
0: well we can do that too in general but no nutrition on these actual um, tendons and stuff man there's oh, a lot yeah. of
1: let's hear it. let's do that can you can you tell me more about the nutritional side of tendon health
0: yeah so there's a there's a again keith bar is just on top of the game when it comes to this stuff um you know but what he was doing was you know, he's giving his, he had a couple NBA players that they had an MRI, they checked out the patella looked at that matrix, right? They actually had, um, you can see actual like holes in their, in their tendon, right? And there was a, you know, three to five month intervention and they supplemented it with, with gelatin, right? Gelatin and some vitamin C. Um, and again, the kind of the idea behind this, um, I think we know, when you understand that, that vitamin C, um, it allows for the gelatin to actually kind of absorb. And so that's kind of the idea behind that. But what they would do is about an hour before any kind of um, explosive or stiff type motion, um, they would take this concoction, again, 15 grams of gelatin, whether that's actual, you know, beef gelatin or, or you know, something like a, um, uh, what do you call it? A Jello? You know, just Jello pack. Um, anything that that works, right? With about 225 milligrams of, of vitamin C, I, I got the the study here if you if you want to see it. Um, and they take it about an hour for it, and then they would do whatever area they wanted to work. So, say they wanted to work a little more of their um, Achilles, right? They would do maybe some jump ropes. And now, very interesting. You don't want to do much more than 10 minutes, right? We're saying maybe five to 10 minutes um you get in you do very you know so what i would do this was back um probably about a couple years ago was i would do about 30 seconds on 30 seconds off and i do that for 12 minutes so i would hit six minutes um but again stiff 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 relax stiff 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 right for 30 seconds and then get out of that that's all you want to do um and then you could actually you could theoretically do that every six hours um, you know, so say you wanted to do more of like a Spanish squat, 'cause we're working on the patellar tendon, you know, or a leg press or a, um, a leg extension, and you do the kind of same concept. Maybe we're doing isometric holds um, in the fully extended position when it comes to a, a leg extension. Now, if you were going to train afterwards, usually want to kind of put that off about six six hours after that too, right? So we want six hours because that allows the actual matrix. To really kind of um, take its shape and to really start to feed those um, fibers that we're looking
1: for. Right, and uh, he talks about when in the so in the lecture that I'm referring to, he talks about that case study with the basketball athlete where they had him doing the leg press, so loaded leg press, isometric holds, and then they show the the MRIs before and after. But the mm-hmm. idea in I guess restructuring that tendon. Is to restructure the fibers so that they align, and then the heavier loads actually increase that collagen concentration too, which makes sense. So you think of you talked about the the guys uh, taking steroids where they blow out a muscle. You just think of how you guys, you see powerlifters increase their totals once they get to a certain level, just so little at a time because the amount of stress that actually goes into holding a thousand pounds, your muscles, your your muscles alone to do that is impressive. But to actually have this tissue, your own tissues that can sustain that weight is what takes so long, right?
0: Right. Exactly. That's the thing is how do you build, how do you build what you're actually um the joint, how do you build where where you're actually creating this motion from?
1: So, the idea with the vitamin the idea with the vitamin C is just that the the uh, extracellular matrix needs vitamin C to recover or to build, or what is that about?
0: Yeah. so the vitamin c is is crucial in terms of. Uh, allowing for protein uptake, right? So it allows you like you can even, uh, you know, in in terms like scurvy, right? Like there was a lot of neuromuscular and and muscular problems with that. So vitamin C is actually huge um, to allow your body to actually take in this collagen that you're, especially, you know, at 15 grams or we're not usually taking in 15 grams of, of collagen, right? Straight up. So it allows you to take it in. And then like you mentioned, it's, it's how can we kind of push the collagen to a place we want it to go right because we don't want it to go throughout our full body we want to kind of we want to put it to our our knee we want to put it to our achilles we want to put it to our shoulders to a baseball guy right um or someone that has ac problems or whatnot right so we want to kind of force this um adaptation to that that tissue that we needed at and so that's where that that six-minute working you know comes uh where you can really start to um form that that tissue and that matrix and, and try to you know it that way, if that makes sense.
1: Right. When, in terms of the tendonopathy in your knees or your Achilles, that seems pretty obvious or easy to train. But in terms of, say, your elbows or your shoulders, what are some things that you would recommend?
0: So I'm not sure. Do you, have, you, have you seen much with, um, um, gosh, let me, let me get on his name real quick? Um, he works with a lot of bowlers. Um, Man, but he does boulders? bowlers like like bowlers like um
1: oh bowlers
0: but like um uh, cricket cricket bowlers. Yep. Man, why am I running a blank? Anyway, he's out. He's out. I believe, and it's either um, Australia, New Zealand, something of that nature. Um, and he has a lot of guys that that do, and it's and it's very short range of motion, right? So we want to work the tendons and the ligaments in those ranges of motion that we're probably going to be um. You know, pushing past their limit, if you will. And so he'll have like a a, a, um, a quasi just like we're, we're, we're like, a, what do we call it a um, or
1: like the earthquake.
0: Yeah, uh, uh,
1: the shaker like pitchers use you see it, arm extended, and it's the bar that just reverberates.
0: exactly the oscillation there you go exactly oscillation is gonna be huge um he'll have me to do with their arms straight up he'll have doing at 90 um he'll have them when they're all the way across their body say they're like a baseball guy where we need some help decelerating you know and so they're holding positions as well as kind of oscillating back and forth um and that creates a lot of you know good tension on the actual tendon so it doesn't you know, with that being said, it seems like it doesn't always have to be just isometric either, right? So maybe some kind of, um, like I said, vi- um, per- per- uh, op- oscillations, right, also kind of create the same ideas, like an uh, isometric too. Now things that, like, so some some specific things that I did was, like, I, I would love to, like, for one of my pictures who had Tommy John, they also um, had some labrum work we would have him on a landmine. And so he would push overhead with the with the bar and he'd be on like a, like a single leg RDL and he'd come across slowly until he went all the way across his other knee. And this bar is obviously on a arc. And so he would control that. And again, it's more of, I would call like a um, like a, a yielding, I guess, you wouldn't call it over, overcoming isometric because um, it was moving and, and it was impossible for him to stop it. Um, you know, but that seemed to do really well. I mean, we got him back to pitching damn near exactly where he was in about six to eight months. And, um, you know, he hasn't had problems since. Um, but again, that, that, that's, that was kind of my only, I'd say experience that comes with that. Um, and like, I said, we did do a lot of the, the, um, the vibration work, um, huge with like the, um, reverse hyper, put a band on it. They'll do like a, a, a row, a fast row. Now, this one is like, I know Fowler Performance. I'm not sure if you follow him. Um, he has some, some good stuff on that where they'll do stuff for like their hip flexors and for their hamstrings where they'll put a band on their ankle and they'll you know either do a kick up, a straight leg kick up. The leg stays locked at 90 and that, that, um, that uh, reverse hyper will then kind of vibrate. You know, causing a little more tension within those those tissues, or or the opposite. You're facing down. You kick up. You you extend your your leg with a straight leg, and then it comes. and gets you know. It kind of uh, vibrates on the way down. So your your hamstring is kind of getting that loading period too. Um, and again, all that stuff seems to be really really legit when it comes to helping with tendon and uh, ligament health. Mm-hmm.
1: Sorry, I lost my train of thought. Uh, oh yeah, so that picture. Is he throwing harder now? Just out of curiosity.
0: He was actually, yeah. He was about eighty-eight, ninety. He hit about ninety-one and ninety-two, which again is kind of wild.
1: Yeah. So, do you you a baseball fan?
0: I do like baseball, yes, sir.
1: Yeah. So I'm a I'm a Yankees fan. So kind of owning the Rays right now and the AL East, But <laughs> my uh, my dad's a Mets fan, so we have a big rivalry going. And I just saw Degrom come out of Tommy John, throwing even harder than when he went before it. It's just it's just unreal.
0: In that wild, you know, I, I got a couple of buddies and, and I haven't been into it as much lately as I have, but they say that if this dude can stay healthy, he is by far the best skilled pitcher ever.
1: And then they have Max Scherzer at number two. Right. They, right. They like two of the best right now. And he's coming off this surgery where they repair that, uh, that UCL ligament. And, and I mean, it's not just him, it's every pitcher that comes off of that. And they're just throwing even harder. So you know, it kind of makes sense, right? You get an artificial (laughs) ligament that you could load more, and so now you get more of that stiffer, high-performing ligament, and put more stress on it, and your numbers are going up.
0: Honestly, I think the stiffness is huge with it, too, right? Because, I mean, at the same time, you know, one thing that actually is good for stiffness is rest, right? Like – I don't think people realize that. Like, people get stiff, and I think we know, that again from an older age, right? People don't move much, so there is actual benefit to not moving when it comes to being stiff with ligaments and joints, um, you know. And I think that is interesting. But also, you know, from a standpoint of just rest, right? Like, you you know, just as well being a collegiate athlete, like, rest will help you perform better. And in all these athletes nowadays, you know, they go to one camp to the next training session to uh whatever right to some kind of skill session and it's nonstop. you know so part of that is you know just getting rested maybe getting out of the normal groove of like every day you're doing something some kind of training
1: so with your younger athletes who especially in florida i mean you have some kids playing baseball year round in terms of rest for the kids and younger athletes do you do you like your athletes doing multiple sports or not uh doing specific training for one thing year round
0: yeah i mean that is that is ideal right you know and i think unfortunately you're starting to see that it's becoming a 13 month a year sport like it, it's something that you know, just to get these kids to not throw for a week is pulling teeth. Um, so yeah, I'm a huge fan of that. You know, I'm a huge fan of, hey, let's go play some basketball or volleyball, you know, or I'm a huge fan of the pool. If you can get in the pool, um, I think that really can shore up a lot of weaknesses. And it, it works all the, st- the you know, stabilizers, right? There's there's a lot of muscles that you just don't get from working in, in, in the air with uh, without that, that extra, you know, um, density of, of molecules, if you will, right? Um, and so I think that, that is huge for a lot of the guys I work with. And I will say, though, I'm starting to see, you know, I just, I just started working with FTB, which is a pretty big club, uh, baseball club. I think three out of the top five that got drafted this year were from an FTB um, club. And they're starting to kind of be aware of that. You know, they're, they're shutting people down. Um, they gave them pretty much all of July off and then a little bit of August. I think it just started last week in terms of actual baseball skill. Um, and so I think it is slowly starting to change. But, yeah, my my goal is to get them out of their sport for at least a month or two.
1: Yeah, and I, I see it now uh, now that I was in Florida because I just moved there with a little more exposure. I mean, I'm seeing kids play football, like you, young kids play football almost year-round too. And I, I, I can't even imagine, especially in terms of, I mean, forget all the the ligaments and tendons that we're talking about. I just mean mental burnout and just love of the game. I mean, I I love football. All when I wasn't playing football, I wish I was playing football growing up. But if I was playing football all year round, I mean, I don't. I wouldn't still be playing today.
0: hundred percent. You know, and I, I mean, let's let me take it beyond that, where it's you know, doesn't make sense to be nine years old and playing for you know. Two, two or three seasons where you can't even support a helmet on your head, right? Like we're talking about health that is carrying on way past your your, your, your playing days. You know, this is when you're when you're my age, 30 years old, 35, and maybe you want to hold your, your children. You know, are you going to go through some of these problems where, you know, maybe they could have been mitigating? Um, I know for a fact, you know, I was always a football, basketball, baseball guy. That was how I did my year. It was uh, football in the, in the fall. Winter was was um, basketball and then spring was baseball. And then it just then I did a little bit of training here and there. But, you know, then we played outside. Right. Then we did other things, you know, and I think that's what we miss. You know, I will say um, I started a a youth camp and it was great just doing very, very random things. We played some dodgeball. I had them catch catching balls, you know, whether a tennis ball or a, um, a football diving onto a mat. You know, jumping over hurdles, right?
1: Rests having fun.
0: That's just having fun, right? Because I mean, it, when that's crazy, because it's like we're structuring fun, um, which is wild, right? Because it, it's it's structured unstructured, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, that, that, that's a that's a great thing, and I uh, I just like I said, I just worry like seeing all seeing people just either dads just focus too much. Oh, my kid's gonna be a college baseball player or whatever it is. I remember growing up with these guys, and it's like he didn't let his son play football. He didn't let his son play basketball. Like the kid was playing baseball year round. Mm -hmm. The kid hated it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it's not one specific person, but you know what I mean?
0: No, no, it happens. It happens too much. You know what I mean? Speaking of our baseball guy, you know, that I was mentioning earlier, you know, he was kind of to that point where it's like, it's not fun. Um, you know, and at some point it becomes a job. You know, whether that's at fourteen or fifteen, or you know, maybe you make it all the way and you're twenty-two. You know, and and you, one would hope that you know you wait for this because who's 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 in high school wanting to really make their sport a job? You know, even at that level, it's it should be fun. Um, of course, there's a little more uh, performance and maybe some kind of financial gain from a scholarship or whatnot. You know, but no, but it has to be fun at, at its at its primal level. You know, and I think that's you know, I, I was listening to, I forgot who it was. I think it was, it was Lee Taft, you know, and he mentioned the, the same things like, don't ever be an athlete's last coach, right? Meaning don't ever be the reason that that athlete stepped away from the sport, you know? And I That's think that, one. you know, that is a great one. Yeah. And I just, and, and it gives me the chills because, you know, I had that, inter, you know, interaction with a coach and it's just something that really is, it, it, it drains a human. And if you, you do it for your whole life, it really takes away, you know, a lot of um who you are as a human, you know. So don't, you know, I I'm a big fan of that. I, I let's I, I'm I'm a big fan of I don't care how young they are, I always give them autonomy. Hey, how do you feel today? What should we do today? What do you think today? You know, I got a plan, but I want to know, you know, maybe their dog woke them up in the middle of the night. Maybe they, you know, older, maybe they had girlfriend problems, boyfriend problems. You know, maybe school is going rough, right? It's just school just started. I have no joke, right? I have a couple, a couple of girls that are coming in and they are, you can just tell they're trash. They're probably not sleeping at night, you know, but again, to allow them to make their decision on how they're going to, uh, you know, get better, how they want to perform that day. I think that goes a long way to really developing an athlete, you know, because at some point they are going to be the ones in charge of what they do.
1: Absolutely. Moving away. What would be maybe wise words or, What is a hard lesson you learned uh, coming up in strength and conditioning, personal training, owning a gym, or any advice you'd give to someone who is thinking about that or going after it right now?
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, one thing I'll say is I think it's it's one of the best times to be in in the field. Um, amazing. At the same time, of course, there's always another side. It's it's hard. Um, I will say the number one thing that that I would I would say is that you have to link up with people. You have to be willing to change your perspective. You have to be willing to do things for free. You have to be willing to latch on to someone that you can learn from. Um, and I do believe because of how the field is there are plenty of people that are willing to actually give that away. Um, Absolutely. Because, yeah. I mean, we, we, we're, we've all been there, you know um, you know, just, just to give you more of a um, specific, you know, like I worked for, for, for free for probably about three, three years, you know? And um, if you look at it that way, you're never going to make it in this, this business, but then six years down the road, it all comes back, you know? So, Learning from, from the people that you have around you and then really creating that relationship, but then also understanding that it it's not going to just come like you're not just going to like, oh, I like training and, you know, I'm going to train everyone and it's, it's a luxury right this this field is, especially if you're doing the private um, side of things, it's, it's luxury, you know? So when the markets aren't looking good, if the economy is not looking good, you know, you got to really love it and you really got to find abstract ways to, to get your product out there. So um, like I said, uh, the biggest thing is is latch on and then also understand it. it's, it's, it's a lot of hard work, but it does pay off as long as you put in the time beforehand.
1: Yeah. And that's the big reason why I got started. The connection part of it is, I mean, I only know so much. You learn from the people before you, and there's so much groundwork laid, and there are so many people who are willing to give you their knowledge in this field.
0: Agreed. And and, and I think the the cool thing about it too is there's so many different perspectives. Uh, there's no no one system that is the same. We can, I could literally study from one person, and it's still not going to be the same system because you're mm. you're pulling from all these all these different places, and it's just it's such a uh you know it, it's it's it's, it's it's also such a fascinating field because, again, everybody's different. So even if you took someone's program and you ran it, how they did it, it's not going to work the same way, you know. So it's just it's very fascinating. But yeah, use use as much of your um, relationship building skills as possible.
1: Andrew Burdick, where can people find you online?
0: Yeah, so I'm uh, my, my personal accounts coach Andrew Burdick, coach underscore Andrew uh, underscore Burdick. And then my um, business account is ABSP underscore South Shore. And that's on Instagram. You can find us at ABSP South Shore on Facebook. And then anyone can reach out at any time at absportsperformance at gmail.com. Um, and again, I love, I love shoot. I love, you know, chopping it up. Um, you know, so anytime if anyone has any questions and wants to reach out, I'm all about
1: it. All right. Thanks for coming on the show. Awesome. Thanks, Matthew. Thanks for listening to another episode of the book strong podcast. Somebody has to get up in the morning and milk the cows. Have a great day.